0: You know, at 9 a.m. I said I forgot how heavy it is, this thing is, and then I forgot again. It's, it's very heavy. Good job, guys, for bringing it up every Sunday. <laughs> so good morning and welcome to church. Um, I know lots of you. Uh, my name's Jade, obviously, but if I don't know you and you're wondering who I am, um, as Danny said it a little bit, um, I'm on the ministry team here at church. I started out as a volunteer, I don't know, like six years ago. Um, soon after, my wife Karen and I arrived from Lebanon. Um, and I ended up doing, I had decided, unlike Tilly, to never do MTS. I was like, Tim, I'm not doing MTS. So I did two years of MTS. <laughs> and then during MTS, I'm like, Tim, I'm not going to Moore College. So now in my fourth year of Moore College, um, I have the pleasure of being back at Gray City. Um, and I'm doing some work on our comms and digital ministries. And then uh, I'm also a student minister. So as we just heard read out for us, we're going to be jumping into Psalm 145 together. And it's our last week of the Summer Psalm series. So look forward to that. Um, And today, if you don't know, marks the end of the beginning of the year. That's it. Officially, we're done. This is it. Um, And the main question that we'll be engaging with is how to lead a life of praise. How do we lead a life of praise? So let's pray together. Let's ask God for his help as we jump in. Father, I pray that you use this passage to help us appreciate you more. I pray that you help us um, use this passage to teach us how to lead a life of praise. To Jesus be praise and glory. Amen. Okay, so it's 2023. It's a new year. Um, I don't know if you still have wind in your sails or that ship has sailed. Um, I don't know if you're still going to the gym or you've stopped going to the gym already, we're only three weeks in, um, but you're still paying, obviously. <laughs> we, never, we never stop going to the gym and stop paying. We just stop going to the gym and keep paying. Um, now, I'll, I'd like to tell you, don't be jealous. I personally have not failed any of my goals, and only part of that is because I haven't made any. <laughs> um, aim low, you'll always succeed. <laughs> now, having said that, I was asked to speak today, and through my study of the psalm, <coughs> I was compelled to make a commitment. And the commitment was to lead a life of praise. That's what God's word convicted me of in this psalm. And that's my prayer for you today, um, that you are convicted to lead a life of praise as well. So forget about New Year, forget about the list and all those other things. It doesn't matter what date or time it is. God is calling us, God is calling you to lead a special kind of life. And that life is a life of praise. So looking at the psalm, here's my problem with this psalm and psalms like it, praise psalms. Um, if I'm honest, and I hope you can be honest with yourselves as well, I sometimes zone out when I'm hearing a psalm like this. Um, I lose focus of verse or two in. I just kind of, I don't know what happens. I just kind of just, I go blank. I think that many of you maybe would experience the same thing that I do, um, and possibly even experience that as Danny was reading out just a few minutes ago. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, There is something about the language of psalms like this that seems to trigger an uninterested response in our hearts. Now, there are probably many reasons for this reaction, but here are two possible ones. First of all, maybe we've become cynical, maybe we've become desensitized to the phrase, praise the Lord. So nowadays, praise the Lord is probably most used, most common as a caricature of Christians in TVs and TV shows and movies, you know, praise the Lord, and they, it's a joke. Even Christians tend to use it flippantly and frequently out of context. I know as I was preparing the psalm, I started thinking back, and I'm like, I'd definitely do that, and I had to repent of doing that. I use praise the Lord as if it's a joke. I don't actually think about what it means. Now, something else that may be going on with Christians is that there sometimes doesn't seem to be much practical application in praise psalms. Maybe we zone out because we're like skimming through and trying to figure out, okay, well, what can I take away from this? What's the next step? How do I do something about this? Like, okay, praise the Lord, great, he's amazing, all right, well, then what? Now, thankfully, our passage today not only gives us a clue into why we might feel this way, but it also tells us what to do about it. So we'll start by looking at who Dave praises, David praises, Dave, (laughs) my friend Dave here. Um, We'll start by looking at who David praises. Then we'll move into why David praises. And we'll finally close on how David praises. Who, why, how. Um, Let's jump in verses one and two, a psalm of praise of David. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day, I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. So already, just from the first two verses, it's clear that there is an expectation that God is praised. We have a few synonyms. Uh, f- sorry, we have a few synonyms to the word praise, like extol, exalt, which help us flesh out what David means here when he says, "I praise you." So, at a basic level, praising God incorporates at least three elements. One, there has to be someone, and then two, uh, thinking or speaking good, crazy things. And then three, God, because we're praising God here, but insert object. (laughs) Um, So someone thinking or speaking good things about and then God. That's kind of what praising God uh, means. So praising always involves an object of praise. If I say I praise, you would rightfully ask me who or what do you praise? All praise must have an object of praise. And David is clear that the only one who deserves all of our praise is God. Only God. And he explains this in verse 3. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Those are big, those are big claims. Those are big words. I don't think when we read them at first glance, we realize how big these words are. If I say great is Jade and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. I think you'd be like, oh. But we can, though. <laughs> I can, you're not that great. Like, you're, you're right, you know. So when, when David is saying it, he doesn't mean it like, oh, he's such a nice guy. He means no one can fathom how great this God that, we're t- that I'm talking about is. It is unfathomable. So David speaks of God with personal knowledge. He claims that God is so great that no one can fathom his greatness. Now in this room, I suspect that there should be at least, there would be at least four different reactions to a verse like this. One, amen, amazing, you're excited. You, your heart rejoices as you read it and if that's you, fantastic, amazing. Let this, let's today, let this psalm be an encouragement to you as we go through and see the amazing works of God and how great he is. Or alternatively, you may be on the other end of the spectrum. You may have been through a rough time and God just doesn't seem so great to you right now. Now, there's more to encourage you with uh, later on in the passage. But for now, I just want to point out that David experienced great hardship in life. And so speaks not as someone who's really comfortable and never really seen anything and and he's happy in life, so he's just saying great is God and all that. He speaks not from ignorance, but he speaks from personal true knowledge of God's faithfulness through the worst of times, things that most of us probably would never even imagine. The third response, I suspect, is probably the most common response and most dangerous response. And that response is indifference. If you would call yourself a Christian and you hear these words from David and think and feel nothing, then I want to lovingly warn you that you may be in a dangerous place. You know, as I was preparing the psalm, I alluded to it before, I struggled with this feeling of indifference for hours as I was studying it. Um, I think all of the holidays and a bunch of other things going on with my life has meant that I haven't spent a large portion of my time meditating on the Lord, And so when I came to read a psalm of praise, it took me hours of reflection and reading and study just to see His glory in the text. My mind was somewhere else completely. So when I came back to it, and I was forced to, because Sunday was coming, and I have to come up and say something. (laughs) So I was forced. I had to keep going. So I don't think you have to imagine someone who it's not their job to do this. They're reading it, and they're like, oh, well, the kid's making noise, or I have to go to work, or whatever. You just read it, and you're like, all right, whatever. It's good, and move on, if you even have time to read it. So when I warn you, know that the warning is truly, is actually for myself, but it's also for you. We'll talk more about this warning in point two. And the fourth response uh, to this verse is actually a range of responses from you if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Now, if you don't have a per- personal relationship with God, you may have more questions and you're still trying to figure out a bunch of things. You're still trying to understand and you know, figure out a few things and it's totally fine. And if that's you, let me welcome you again. We're really excited that you've come to church today, um, and we're really glad that you've come. And I want you to follow me to verse 21, where David invites all of us, including you, to praise. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. That word creature is like flesh, so humans, everything. Let everything praise the Lord. Um, So if God is truly as unfathomable, And most worthy of praise, as David says, then praising him would make sense. I suspect that the struggle with you at this point is that you don't know if he's truly as good as he is. You hear me, I'm saying it. Dave, good old Dave, is saying it too. (laughs) But, you know, you need to see. You need to experience that. You need to see how great he is. So for today, I'd love you to stay tuned in as we continue through this psalm and learn about many of the things that God has done. I want you to keep a keen eye out for words like works, acts, deeds, because these are the things that we're going to be looking at today to see how great God is because of what he has done. So my prayer for you is that you get a glimpse into why we want to praise God, and maybe you'll even join in the praise as well. So uh, in these four verses, we see David praise God because God is great, and we see David calling everyone to join him in praising God. The big question that comes out of this verse, as we saw, is why. Why does David think God is so great? Why does David praise God? We've seen who David praises God, and now we'll move into the why. And as we move on to why David praises God, it's helpful to know that this is a foundational point. And what do I mean by this? So it's, it's a foundational point because why he praises is key to who he praises and how he praises. The why overflows into the how. And we'll see how that happens in a little bit. So verses 4 to 7 have this beautiful interplay between generations that we want to pause on. So one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty. So that's that gen- the generation. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. That's David's response to hearing that. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. So we see in these verses that there's a conversation going on between one generation and another as they pass on the good news of God's mighty acts. And it's almost like David is listening in to this intergenerational conversation. And as he listens, he starts to meditate on the wonderful works of God. But he doesn't stop there. This isn't the type of meditation where you clear your mind and just repeat a mantra. That's not the goal. No, David is actually filling himself. He's filling his mind with God's works and acts and splendor. So, as his mind is continually filled, it overflows into proclamations of God's great deeds um, by David. So, David begins to proclaim all of the things that God is doing. So, how does David lead a life of praise? By meditating. Continuously meditating on God's wonderful works, he expands. Um, he expands on this in verses fourteen to twenty. So, in verse fourteen, we see God lifts up those who are h- hopeless. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. In verse fifteen and sixteen, we see God, the loving, providing Creator. The eyes of all look to you, and give, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. In verses 18 and 19, we see God listens and answers. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. And finally, in verse 20, God protects and um, those who are his and is just against the wicked. The Lord watches over all who love him but all the wicked he will destroy. So as we go through these verses, we're getting a glimpse of the amazing things that God does, at the things that David is meditating on in his daily life. And we're reminded again of verse three. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. So I got COVID for the first time a few weeks ago. Um, was fine. Uh, I, got, I got a migraine, so I couldn't really do anything but sleep and watch some TV. Um, poor me. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting like an oh. Um I ended up watching a show called Yellowstone about cowboys and Indians in like modern day. Anyone? Yellowstone, come on guys. No one. All right. <laughs> uh, I watched a, let's say, significant amount of this show. Um, And to the point where I started dreaming about it and I started dreaming that I'm like a cowboy and Karen, my wife's with me and we're teaching my baby, my toddler how to like ride a horse and rope baby calves. You need to watch a show. Um, (laughs) Very weird. Also, I'm pretty sure two year olds can't ride full grown horses by themselves, but she was doing really well in the dream. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) now it's pretty normal to uh, watch TV when you're sick, obviously. But can you imagine if I used at least <laughs> a, a portion of that time, a significant portion of that time, to meditate on God's word and to fill my mind and my imagination with his mighty acts? You see, there seems to be a connection between meditating and praising. What you meditate on is what you end up praising. And the more you meditate, the more you praise. So I was meditating on cowboys and Indians, and just asked my wife, Karen, I, will, I praised for about a week <laughs> how good the show was and, and then 1883 came out and 1923 came out, the prequel show is fantastic. So what I meditated on, what I meditate on, I will praise and what I praise, what happens then? People around me start hearing about it. So think back to the different generations proclaiming God's great acts to each other. How different am I to them? they meditated and they praised, and so other generations heard and thus meditated and praised. Are we spending enough time meditating and enjoying God and his word that it overflows from our mouths when we are with others? Are we doing that? And this is where I want to touch on the warning that I mentioned earlier. If you would call yourself a Christian, but you don't meditate on God, you will be meditating, you will be, meditating and thus praising someone or something else. It's an impossibility not to. If the majority of my time is taking up meditating on TV shows, Instagram, my career, even my family, it will breed in me other things. It will breed in me worry and entitlement and gossip and fear and you name it. Instead of thanksgiving, I'll be whinging. I'll be worried. Instead of kind words, I'll be gossiping. And instead of praise, I'll be defaming. And verse 20 brings us a stark warning. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. The wicked, those who do not praise him, he will destroy the perfectly just and great God, who no one can fathom how great he is, remember, will destroy the wicked. But he doesn't do that lightly. Similar to the term praise the Lord, I think Jesus saves has been, become a very trivialized phrase as well. It's become a joke in some circles. So when David says that God will destroy the wicked, our gut reaction may be shocked that God would do that. But what, what we must remember in that exact moment as we feel that is Jesus. God took on flesh, lived perfectly, and died a criminal's death in order to pave the way for who? For the wicked. For the wicked to be saved. So when we read that God will destroy the wicked, we, don't, we shouldn't read that lightly. As we sit here in the room, post Jesus' death and resurrection, we know more and we see more than David did. We know what God did, what God paid for the wicked to have a chance, for me and you as wicked men and women to have a chance to not be destroyed, to to be saved from destruction. So Jesus died on your behalf to save you from destruction. Accept his gift today. Now, if you would call yourself a Christian, but this passage has revealed to you, the psalm has revealed to you a lukewarmness in your heart, ask God for forgiveness. As I said, this is the most dangerous part of it, lukewarmness. We see it throughout the Bible and especially in Revelations. So ask God for forgiveness today. Repent. Meditate on our great God. So just as we we saw... um, David's meditation on God is what fuels his praise. So we've seen who David praises, and we've seen why David praises, and now we're going to look at, and we're going to finish our time together by looking at how David praises. So jump with me to verses 11 and 12. They tell of of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. So verse 12 begins with so that if you've been around church for a while you know that so that is a really helpful term whenever we see it in the bible we jump on it and we're like okay what's what's coming after it because it's a really helpful kind of explanatory term that we get so the outcome of people praising and telling of god's glory uh, of the glory of god's kingdom is so that all people may know god's mighty acts so how david praises he praises god to god himself so vertically, but he also praises God to others. You see, praise, v- praise functions both vertically and horizontally. As you hear about God's mighty acts, could be horizontally from other people, generations through reading the Bible, you meditate over it. And as you meditate and you spend time over it, it overflows into praise. And that praise will happen privately between you and God, but it will also happen horizontally as you share with other people what God has done. And guess what happens as you share? Others have the same cycle. And they hear about God, and then they meditate, and then they overflow into praise as well. So David praises in both his quiet time with God and in public to others. The meditations of his heart overflow into praise, and so can and should it be with us. And we'll close with this. Whatever you meditate on will be what overflows out of you. So meditate on God. Spend time reading his word, listening to other people talking about his mighty acts, and that will overflow into your own praise. Your praise will then overflow into worship of God in your private life, but also in public, and you'll share with others God's mighty acts. And then we start again. And then they uh, hear and meditate and praise. And that's our challenge from this passage. That's what God is telling us today. To lead a life of prayers, we are to inspect our lives and identify what our hearts are meditating on daily. What are we spending most of our time thinking about? Be honest with yourself. If it's not God, don't come up with excuses why it's not God. Confess, repent, change your ways. That's what I've had to do honestly. Remember, David wasn't just some slacker. He didn't have all the time in the world. He was the king. <laughs> he had plenty of responsibilities. He was very busy and lots of th- uh, things that could distract him. But he endeavored to keep the Lord as the sole focus of his meditations. And that's my prayer for myself, and that's my prayer for you today, that we learn how to lead a life of prayer, uh, praise by meditating on God's mighty act. Why don't you pray with me as we ask God's help to do that. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you care about us and you love us. We thank you for how comforting you are. Please help us to focus on you, to meditate on you, to look away from our screens, to look away from our careers to spend significant amounts of time with you, with your word, with others talking about you. Help us encourage one another to talk more about you and not just about other things. Help us even today as we go out into the cafe or as we go on with the rest of our day and the rest of this week. Help us be mindful of what we're talking about, of how we're spending our time and let us spend it alongside you and in your word, and praising you to you and praising you to others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.